Engage. Change. This is 702. This is 702. For the curious. 12 minutes after 9 o'clock, Dr. Gillard uh, Isaac uh, from the Institute for Economic Justice joins us now. Dr. Isaacs, thank you very much for joining us. Evening, thanks very much for the invitation. Much appreciated. And of course, uh, Executive Director at Section 27, Umunyana Rugege joins us. Uh, Umunyana, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for for having me. Let me start with you, uh, Umunyana. You have written an open letter to Dr. Zwelim Kiza and Mr. Titomboweni. What were you saying to him? To them, both. Um, yes, this is a joint letter uh, from Section 27 and the Institute for Economic Justice. Um, and what we're doing is, is starting a conversation about uh, the priorities that these two ministers will be thinking about going forward in this new administration. Um, and one of the things that is key to us is to make the point around the austerity budgets um, by government in the past couple of years that have clearly undermined the resilience of the public health system. Um, And we would like to have this conversation because we feel that realizing the right to health care services is is critical for us to do in this next administration. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, when when, uh, provinces, for example, are to tighten their belts, or provincial treasuries say, you know, we need to cut spending, um, what happens is, you know, you see freezing of, of health professionals' posts. So even when um, there's a lack of health professionals, we can't hire them because of these squeezes related to austerity, which means we aren't able to deliver the kinds of health care services that the state is obliged to deliver. Let me bring Dr. Gillard Isaacs into this. One of the things that you say is that uh, austerity measures that we've seen in the fifth parliament were undermining certain uh, service delivery projects, one of them being healthcare. Explain to me how austerity, some people might argue that that's exactly what we need. Um, how, how do you arrive at that conclusion, Dr. Gillard Isaacs? Excellent, thanks. So it's important first, I think, to understand some of the numbers uh, Involved. So, for instance, over the last three years, what we've seen is that non-interest budget expenditure, so that's money spent on social services, social grants, and so on, that increased by only 0.3% uh, in real terms, so when we account for uh, inflation. Um, on the other hand, we saw a, a population growth of 1.6%. So that means that our uh, our population is growing faster than our expenditure uh, on all of those items, which essentially means a lower expenditure per person uh, on uh, social goods uh, overall. Now, if we think about that in the context of the various challenges which, which we have, whether that's health or education, housing, um, and so on. Uh, what we see is, is that not only will we be unable in that context to maintain the kinds of services which we have now, but we'll also be unable to improve them. Um, and that's going to lead to uh, very serious so- negative social outcomes. In the case of health, uh, what we, we have seen um, in uh, the last five years, uh, a increase um, uh, in health expenditure, but on average only by 
1%. Now, that is grossly insufficient by the government's own estimates yeah. in order to meet the uh, needs around the NHI um, and in order to achieve the kind of funding which we need uh, with the <laughs> health burdens uh, that we have here. Now, of course, we need to consider this in the context of the uh, fiscal envelope and spending uh, overall. Uh, we've argued elsewhere for a variety of ways to increase s social spending, uh, including increased taxes on uh, wealthier people and corporate uh, strategic uh, increased borrowing um, and a number of other interventions. Uh, Umunyana, I suppose what you guys are saying is that um the idea of austerity measures sounds good if you don't dig deeper, if you don't drill down to the details of the matter. You're saying, if I understand you correctly, that uh, uh, don't spend money on the bling. Spend it on the things that are going to improve people's lives. Yes, that's exactly what we're saying. We're saying we've got to spend the money on shoring up, for example, human resources, um, we've got to ensure that we have proper financial systems at provincial level and local levels for health spending. Um, healthcare has been identified by the SIU as one of those areas that's prone to corruption. And the reason being is that there's so much procurement involved in delivering healthcare services. So we need to ensure that we have proper financial systems, that we have fully staffed uh, finance departments within the provinces, and that uh, we combat corruption, and we have to do that in a way that sh that has real consequence. Um, you know, the the national prosecuting authority is right now looking at um, the disaster around the life of the many matter, yes. where the NGOs were given contracts to deliver services that they could never have delivered, um, and these were meant to be high level mental health services. So they're looking into those types of contracts and how on earth those contracts were entered into by the provincial government. So we need to make sure those types of things are addressed um, at provincial and local level and that there's support from the national departments and national treasury when that's needed to ensure that we are combating corruption and we have proper administration and finances. Dr. Gillard Isaacs, the... Letter was written to, I suppose, the person, I mean, the, the de departments of uh, health and finance, but obviously to these two individuals, Dr. Zuelim Kiza, who's the minister of the Department of Health, and uh, Mr. Titomboweni, who's the minister of finance. One, have they acknowledged receipt of your letter? Two, what is their attitude towards your letter? Um. Uh, Hunyane would be best place to uh, answer um, on receipts. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, we've uh, previously had a number of engagements with the Minister of uh, Finance through uh, various civil society budget justice coalition work. And unfortunately, the Minister of Finance has been generally uh, fairly... Um, uh, unwilling uh, to uh, engage with us um, and, I, and like dismissive of uh, the concerns which have been raised. Um, I think, you know, it's important to say that um, uh, what Umunyana said at the outset about starting a, a, a conversation is uh, 
a really important thing. And, and, and I think the basis for that conversation from our side needs to be a recognition that with the current funding priorities um, elsewhere, but in particular in health, we will see detrimental social outcomes. I mean, we, we, we will see, you know, this is about people's lives, right? No doubt, yeah. And, and the premise has to be that we need to sufficiently fund these services and that we need to in, increase funding. From that premise, we can then engage on how we uh, do that. Uh, uh, but, but the premise of the engagement from Treasury at the moment is, is, is a, a starting point of reducing funding to such social services. Um, and we've seen worldwide that a reduction in, in, uh, in health expenditure during times of austerity has very serious long-term negative social outcomes. So um, in addition to obviously talking about people's health and people's lives, we can't actually build a sustainable uh, country and a sustainable uh, economy if we're under-investing um, in these essential social services. I'd be interested to hear from you as a listener as we talk to Dr. Gillard Isaacs, co-director at, at the Institute for Economic Justice and executive director at Section uh, 27, Munyana Rugege, about some of the proposals that they are offering to Dr. Zuelim Kiza of the Department of Health and uh, Mr. Dito Mboweni of the, de- uh, of the Finance uh, department. Uh, you're talking, uh, for example, Umunyana, about uh, austerity is un- is undermining undermining healthcare, and Dr. Gillard spoke a little bit about that. Access to medicines, human resources for health, uh, austerity is a vicious cycle. Uh, uh, invest in uh, health infrastructure to restore dignity. One of the questions I asked Dr. Gillard was, "How was this letter received?" Or did you know that you would have a rather frosty re- reception from uh, particularly Minister Didumboweni? And actually, this letter is to be for public consumption and a public debate. Umunyana? Well, it really is about a public debate. And I think we're all engaged in this, this debate around national health insurance and what that means, what it will look like. We're all very much engaged as civil society, as academics as users of the health system, both public and private. Um, And I think we mustn't forget about the private sector in this conversation. You know, the the Competition Commission has been um, engaged in a market inquiry for over four years now. Um, And we're looking forward to some of those recommendations coming out of that process that will give us some indication of what are the things we need to do in the private sector to ensure that we are addressing inequality in the health system um, and that we're having more people having better access to quality healthcare services and that there's greater accountability from the private sector as well for realizing the right to healthcare services. So if the minister particularly of finance seemed to be a bit frosty frosty in receiving your letter and i'm i'm glad that you and i are having this conversation uh, and i'm hoping that our listeners will will engage um was the exercise worth it to write to the minister shouldn't you perhaps have written to the president as he prepares to deliver the state of the nation address 
Um, I, you know, I, I want to, to clarify that we haven't received a frosty um, response from the ministers. In fact, we, ha- we are yet to receive a response, and we, you know, it's too soon to say what the attitude will be. But we are of the view that we work with government all the time. We work with ministers at national level. We work with premiers and, you know, director generals. Um, we are very certain that we'll be able to work together with these two ministers to achieve a common goal about addressing inequality. When did you write the letter, uh, Umunyanga? Um, it went out today, so oh, we see. will we will have to give you have to invite us back onto your show um, <laughs> to talk about those engagements. One of the things, uh, I mean, I, I suppose the reason why you wrote this letter, Dr. Isaacs, is because you want to see an improvement in service delivery, particularly in the health sector. Uh, one of the things that I've been pushing as a bit of a campaign, uh, spe- specifically starting today, is to say we need a law that compels public servants, politicians, um, public servants of all categories to use public uh, amenities. What do you make of that as a quick practical measure to make sure that uh, we see changes not only in attitude from those that have influence uh, with regards to policies, but also uh, to see the quality of service delivery change in those sectors if the president and uh, the cabinet and uh, parliamentarians and DGs and their children have to use uh, public hospitals and public schools. Dr. Gillard Isaacs, your thoughts? I think it's a complicated question um, in health in particular. Um, whilst there's no doubt that I think that part of the, uh, that there is a distance between those in power and the, the realities, um, uh, which we I'd call it light the, years, uh, yes, Dr. Gillard yes, Isaacs, which we but saw, yeah. Uh, during the president's like, surprise uh, as in, uh, when. It, he was in a train, yeah. Right? Um, but uh, um, so that's absolutely true, and we need to find ways of, of bridging that. In, in health, there obviously is this two-tiered system which is exacerbating uh, inequality. Um, on the other hand, the public health care system is uh, overburdened, and so there's a very significant size of uh, of public sector employees who access private health care. Um, and, and to shift that sort of in, uh, instantaneously might be like a problem. But what we need to actually work towards, and the, um, you know, the, the uh, NHI has the potential to uh, do this, is to work towards integrated uh, services that we uh, that in in that in that in health that in education we cannot live in a country which has such vast uh, disparities between those who are able to afford and pay for a social good and those who uh, aren't. So I think that uh, in the medium term uh, we need to be talking about how it is that we systematically. Uh, break down these uh, two-tiered systems yep. and in health the NHI offers a potential uh, avenue. Umunyana Rugege, if the Minister of Finance for example were to be using public sector uh, amenities like health, like um, education for his children uh, 
uh, or his grandchildren or whatever the case may be, do you think that there would be a marked improvement? Um, I'm not sure that there's evidence um, to to support that theory. Um, you may not know that Dr. Mutualedi, who was the Minister of Health for many years, uh, for about a decade, proudly used the public health system and spoke about it a lot, um, he and his family. Um, and he did a lot of good things for, for the health system. We have a much improved HIV program. We have 4 million people on treatment, more and more people getting on treatment, um, it's a well-funded program. So, you know, there, there is, you know, I'm not sure that we can say do you, do you uh, think that, that, that one intervention do you think, would be the thing that yeah. would improve healthcare care services. Do, do you think that uh, Dr. Aron Mutualedi's family or himself would stand in a queue at a clinic in, uh, in Tshekho, for example? Look, um, I, I don't want to get into the kind of personal affairs of the, min- the former minister. Yep. But, you know, I think, you know, we work with people who are users of the public health system. Um, and part of what we are talking about and what we're recommending as discussion points come from the ground. So they come from, you know, our colleagues in the treatment action campaign who are going to clinics and talking to people who go to clinics yeah. and they themselves are public health system users. So it's really about understanding the nature of the system and understanding the structural nature of inequality. You know, we're, we're dealing with an apartheid level system and the kind of equality that we're seeing now is a consequence of that. And there are, you know, larger institutional interventions that will eventually show a movement towards um, greater equality. Munyana Rugege of uh, the Section 27 and Dr. Gilead Isaacs from the Institute for Economic Justice, we will invite you, <laughs> we will invite you back to get a sense of what was the response from the two ministers uh, for your proposals. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Thank you so much. Right. Dr. Gilead Isaacs and Munyana Rugege.